Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to First Round Steals and Busts. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. This is a sports ethos presentation and also a simulcast of Fantasy NBA Today on the traditional podcast channels. The name of this show may be a tiny bit of a misnomer because I don't think that there actually are any true busts available in the first round. As it stands on Yahoo, the top 12 and ESPN top 12 are a who's who of excellent picks and you can make very reasonable cases that every single one of them, all 24 names, or tw- not 24 different people, there's quite a bit of overlap, will end up with pretty decent fantasy seasons, but for varying reasons. So, in order to create a board that in this case is what you kind of call a steal or a bust, but maybe more accurately we could refer to as my favorite and least favorite first-round picks, we need to set up some sort of criteria for breaking them down. As an example of said criteria, someone like, say, Jason Tatum, who's ranked fourth on Yahoo and eighth on ESPN, might very well only have a per-game nine-category rank of something like 10, 11, or 12. Does that make him a bust if you took him at four? No, it absolutely does not because he very well might play in 74 ball games again, and that's how he ended up as a top five totals player this most recent season. So that's why setting up this criteria is so hard. And it's also why a minute and a half ago I said I don't think that there is actually a true bust in the list of first-round picks because you can make an argument that any of them works in certain scenarios. So you guys are just going to have to kind of bear with me as I give you my favorites and least favorites from both the Yahoo and ESPN uh, pre-rank, not ADP, the Yahoo and ESPN pre-rank boards here on today's episode. Please take a moment to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the traditional podcast channels, please take a moment to drop a five-star review, to help share it on social media. We do want to continue growing, and the ramp-up towards the season is definitely the best time to do just that. We're going to start on the Yahoo side, because that's where I've done most of my work. ESPN, unfortunately for me, is a little bit of an afterthought, and that's probably not fair, because it is still a site that gets used a lot. Yahoo's like, we did a poll, I think, on Twitter, where Yahoo was something like 55%, and ESPN was about 30 and then it was like, fan track slash other managed to fill out the rest uh, but because Yahoo's the biggest we'll start there we're going to pull up on our screen the top well that's the top 16 names we're going to focus exclusively on the top 12 and maybe we can let it trickle into like number 13 if we absolutely had to I'll try to make it just a little bit larger for those watching to see if that helps in any way or if it moves my uh, tiny picture in front of the last names on the screen Oopsies, he says, as he tries to adjust where that sits on the board. There we go. Here's the list of names on the Yahoo side, just so everybody knows what I'm talking about. This is helpful more so for the folks that are just listening and not watching. The top 12 on Yahoo, once again, is Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum. That's the top four. 
Tyrese Halliburton, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And the bottom four of the first round, Kevin Durant at 9, LaMelo Ball at 10, Anthony Davis at 11, and Kyrie Irving is pre-ranked at 12, even though by ADP he's behind a couple more guys. Let's start with my favorites of this first round list, because I think that's actually kind of an easier list to make on the whole. Um, Again, because I think you can make a very reasonable case that any one of these 12 guys could hit in some fashion. But my favorites on the board, and this is really hard because, like, you got to plant your flag in something, is the player at number 12. Kyrie Irving is one of my favorites on the first round board. Most, I mean, quite literally, because he's not even getting drafted in the first round. Kyrie's ADP is 15.1 right now. He's going as the third, sometimes sixth pick of the second round. Sorry, not sixth, third, sometimes fourth. We've seen him fall as far as the sixth pick of the second round. Typically, lately in mock drafts, has not been going in the top 12. I know his ADP is, whatever I said, 15.1. So by averages, you should see him go earlier than that sometimes. But lately, I'm not seeing him go inside the top 12. Once in a blue moon, he'll go at 12. Most of the time, he's at 14, 15, or 16 in mock drafts right now. There are a lot of problems with this pick, so calling it a potential steal or one of my favorites is a dangerous play. You guys know I like to play more games cap league than the alternative, and Kyrie's coming off another season where he missed 22 ball games. But if we dig a little bit deeper on the Kyrie front, first of all, he averaged 27.1 points per game last year, three threes, five boards, five and a half assists, 1.1 steals, 0.8 blocks, 49.5% from the field, and almost 91% from the free throw line. His overall numbers were outstanding. It put him last season as the number nine per game fantasy player on the board. Massive, massive year. The fear with Kyrie, I don't think, has really ever been what kind of numbers is he going to put up? Because fantasy-wise, he's a monster. Steals and blocks are excellent for a point guard. Uh, The threes have been really good. His volume was actually down a little bit this past year. So if you're worried about, you know, what does Kyrie do next to Luka, we got a pretty good look at it at the end of the season, and he was still a top eight per game guy. That's the upshot with Kyrie. If you can get him at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you're likely getting someone who's inside the top 10 on a per-game basis, and a lot of what you're trying to do in that range of a draft is get someone with that mid-first-round appeal. And Kyrie's had stretches where he's posted top three fantasy numbers, and if Luka goes down for any stretch of time, which, again, I want to remind everybody, a week and a half ago, we heard that Luka's still dealing less than that, actually. A couple days ago, we heard he was dealing with the leg injury that sidelined him late last year. He's still not better. So Kyrie may have some games where he's got to go just full bore, 22, 23, 24 shots a night, and those are some truly huge fantasy lines. The issue with Irving, as it always has been, is can he get through a season? And lately, for varying reasons, the answer has been no. This past year, he was shut down late, only played three games in April at the end of the season, so missed a handful of games there. Had a few games off in the middle of March, uh, shortly after the trade. He was dealing with some nagging injuries. Leading up to the trade that sent Kyrie from Brooklyn to Dallas, his trade request caused him to sit out a week in there. 
And then the trade itself cost him a game or two. So you roll all that together, you are talking about somewhere between five and ten games that were lost to circumstance. Trade request, actual trade, team shutdown. Dallas decided they wanted to get a slightly higher draft pick by not making a run at the play-in tournament. That puts Kyrie more in the 65 to 67 range on just injury alone, which, mind you, is not a terrific number, but it is a palatable one. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. The reason I bring that up is because a lot of the guys in the first round of fantasy drafts are not playing a full complement of games. We can compare to Jimmy Butler last year, who was right behind Kyrie in per-game value. They were neck and neck. Butler played 64 ball games last season, which by all accounts sounds like a very low number, but he was number nine by totals. He actually moved up two slots in the ranks, just getting to 64 games. So, do we think Kyrie Irving can get to 64 games this year? I think he can get around that mark. I wouldn't expect him to blow past that. 66 would be terrific. 65 is your all-NBA uh, barrier that the that the league has set up. So a lot of guys, I think, are going to be trying to get to 65. And Kyrie seems like the kind of guy that would want that for various contractual things down the line. 65 games out of Kyrie Irving this year, if we can get him to that mark, puts him in the mid to late first round on a totals basis and a per-game basis, most likely. And when you consider the injury risks of guys that are being drafted around him in the first round, such as Kevin Durant, who also has that per-game upside, but was actually hurt for the games he missed last year. Anthony Davis, big per-game upside, was actually hurt for the games he missed last year. I personally lean a little bit towards more towards the guy who only missed something like 15 games due to actual injury instead of 20 to 25 or more, if you're talking about Durant. Uh, and the other ones were situational stuff where we hope we can kind of paper over a little bit of that. And the fact that he's going a few slots later. So Kyrie Irving is one of my favorite picks of the first round. You guys probably thought that I was going to come on here and talk about Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis as favorite picks of the first round. But personally, I just can't make myself do it. Those guys missed an inordinate number of games last year. Anthony Davis played in 56. Kevin Durant 
played in about half the games. He wasn't anywhere near a first-round pick by totals. Both of those guys also, in my mind, are expected to do less this year. KD now has two high-volume guys with him in Phoenix. Anthony Davis has a Lakers team around him that is much more competent than the one that forced him to be a top, well, number one. He was the number one guy early in the season when LeBron was banged up and Russell Westbrook was the only other guy on the team. Late in the year, Anthony Davis, you saw his free throws kind of come back to earth, uh, and his rank not, didn't not like a fall like a stone, but it did fall a little bit. So those guys are actually not on my steals board. They're not on my busts board because per game they're so good that if they can even get to like high 50s, they can be palatable in fantasy leagues. And so I'm actually just leaving those guys off my list altogether. My other favorite pick of the first round is a guy who's ranked higher. Yahoo has him at number five, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Over on the ESPN side, by the way, Kyrie Irving is not even in the first round. He's 25. They've probably adjusted those a little bit, but that was ESPN's initial rankings that came out like two months ago. Kyrie wasn't even remotely close to on the board, so... I can't call him my favorite pick in the ESPN first round because he was a third rounder over there. But Tyrese Halliburton is actually a crossover player, and you'll see that when we bring up the uh, the ESPN ranks on your screen a little bit later on in today's show. Uh, Halliburton at five feels like it could be a little bit of a scary play, but let me tell you why I don't think it is one. Last season, Halliburton was number eight on a per-game basis. He was at 20.7 points, and I'll pull this up on the screen so folks that are watching can kind of read along with us here. He was at 20.7 points per game last season, which was solid, but uh, you know sometimes you're looking for a little bit more out of a first-rounder. 3.7 rebounds, a little bit on the low side there as well, but outstanding assist numbers at 10.4, terrific steals at 1.6, actually got almost half a block out of him per ball game, and that's... Uh, what he did the previous season, so it wasn't fluky. Three three-pointers a game while shooting 49% from the field, just like Kyrie, and 87% at the free throw line. Both these guys we've talked about are extraordinary percentages, guys. And if you follow me for a long time, you know I'm big on trying to win percentages. That's not the area that I like to give up on. I think a lot of players, head-to-head and roto, like to punt one percentage And the fact that multiple teams tend to do a variation of the same punt shrinks the board for multiple teams on draft night. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to do that punt when other people are doing it too. That's the beauty of Halliburton and Kyrie Irving, actually, is that these guys are very helpful as guards shooting 49% or better from from the field They're not hurting you in that department. Most guards, you kind of expect them to bring that number down. That's part of what makes some of these first-round guards so unbelievable, like Shea, although he doesn't hit three-pointers, but Steph, uh, Halliburton, Kyrie Irving. These guys, incredible, because they're hitting a ton of threes and doing it on 49 to 50% from the field. Also excellent free-throw number. There's also a possibility that as Halliburton continues to grow, he had a big stage at FIBA, Team USA guy, He could be asked to do a little bit more offensively this year. I don't know that I would necessarily count on that, but that's a possible side bonus as one of the rare players in the first round 
that has an arrow pointed either sideways or even up. A lot of the guys in the first round have an arrow in my mind that's pointed towards doing a little bit less this year. Uh, I would argue Jokic probably does a little bit less this year coming off a championship run. Shea a little bit less, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph, maybe about the same, but presumably with Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins around, maybe a little bit less. Um, Tatum, similar, maybe a little bit less with Porzingis in town, but again, I don't want to get too sidetracked by this whole which arrow or which direction an arrow is pointed on these guys. Let's talk a little bit more about Halliburton. A lot of folks are going to point to the fact that Halliburton played just 56 games this past season, and that is a very reasonable thing to point at when discussing whether to have fear around him or not. Thing is, Indiana, and we all thought this going into the season last year, we thought Indiana was going to tank last season. Tyrese Halliburton was so good that they failed at it for the first half of the year. Halliburton suffered an injury. He missed two and a half, three weeks. The team went something like 1-11 and while he was on the shelf. And at that point, they were like, great, we finally got our window. So Indiana fell back. Then they didn't have to push Halliburton that hard down the stretch. He took a bunch of games off at the very end of the season. Nag various injuries, blah, blah, rest days, etc. And so that's why his games were at 56. Now, the first injury was a real one. Missing a dozen to 13, whatever. I think it was like 12, 13, 14 games with that first injury. That was a real one. The other stuff, not so much. Little things here and there, and then games off. I would also point to the fact that Halliburton only played 33 and a half minutes per ball game this last year. Those are the kind of minutes you give to someone that you're still kind of keeping the shrink wrap on. Want some players' names who played more than Halliburton this year? Joel Embiid, 34 and a half minutes per game. Kevin Durant, 35 and a half minutes. Anthony Davis at 34 minutes per game. These are guys that are falling apart at the damn seams most seasons, and they played more minutes per game than Halliburton. So I think you could actually see his minutes creep up into the 34s this coming year, which is always good because you just sort of roll up a little bit more by being on the court. I also believe that Indiana's going to try to make a run at a playoff spot this year. They should be pretty good, mostly on the shoulders of Halliburton alone, but Miles Turner is excellent. They brought in some bigger players because that was an, a massive issue for Indy last season was the power forward spot. Uh, they have Buddy Heald still around, Benedict Matherin, another season of growth. That's a team that's going to be trying. Look, they're not a championship-level team, but a team that's going to be trying to compete. And in my mind, there's almost no way that they can sell Halliburton on going for the draft pick two years in a row. It's also worth pointing out, if you're like, oh, well, Halliburton couldn't make it through this last year. The previous season, he very much made it through the season. Played 77 out of 82 games between Sacramento and Indiana. Only missing five. That's marvelous. So if you're worried about it, that's what I would say. Don't be. If he wants to play, he'll get out there and play. He's not a high fly act, so you don't have to worry about him landing awkwardly like you know the John Morant stuff every single day as he comes down he's crashing to the floor that's not the Halliburton game I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Halliburton play close to 75 games this year does he get there that's easier said than done there's the schedule's tough but he'll be shooting to break 70 and as a first round per game guy with durability that gives him a nice shot to end up inside the top five by totals this year 
And when you're drafting someone in that five range on Yahoo or a tiny bit later on ESPN, you just need them to get to where you drafted them. Because it's not like there's much room for someone drafted at five to beat ADP. You just don't want them to lose to it. Halliburton, by the way, two years ago, was number seven by totals. And that's despite a per-game rank at the end of the second round. Let's flip over for a moment. Let's talk a little bit about ESPN stuff. I think that might be kind of a fun break before we come back uh, to the Yahoo side. And again, a mid-show reminder here, if you have a moment, please do like and subscribe to uh, our Sports Ethos YouTube page. I'm really trying hard to put out stuff every single day, sometimes two things a day. Um, so hit that thumbs up means a lot. It helps kind of bump this thing and more people can find it. Uh, and again, if you're listening on podcast channels, please do hit that five-star review. And no matter how you're taking in this content, please pay a visit over to sportsethos.com. Myself on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Sports Ethos is at Ethos Fantasy BK for the basketball feed. And check out the Fantasy Pass, which has the vaunted Brewski 150, the one rankless to rule them all. That'll be coming out in a few weeks. And the NBA draft guide is in there already. That starts at just $6 per month at sportsethos.com. Folks that are, again, watching live, you guys can see the uh, ESPN list pop up on the screen. We'll make that bigger here so uh, some of the names are a little bit easier to read. The top 12 when ESPN's board came out, I know this has changed. This is their original board, so that's what we're going to work off of for this discussion. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, that's their top four when the list uh, was dropped. Five, six, seven, and eight is Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Jason Tatum. And the uh, last four of the first round is Anthony Davis, Tyrese Halliburton, who again just put a check mark there as a repeat favorite for Dan. Damian Lillard, and then Damanis Sobonis climbs into that number 12 slot over on the ESPN side. Uh, I think the other one here is kind of an easy one, and yeah, I, so I feel I feel gross about doing it because it feels a little bit like a cop out. But Jason Tatum would be the other favorite from this board. To me, uh, Tatum going at four over on the Yahoo side does wipe a little bit of the fun out there uh, because his per game marker is likely behind some of the other names we've talked about. In fact, you might see Tatum lose to Kyrie Irving this year on the per game side. But where he excels is, uh, and, and Tatum lost to Kyrie on the per-game side last year, but where he excels is by getting out on the court. He is available. He has the 10th category of durability. Uh, I would expect Tatum to play in as many games as he can again, maybe miss another 8 to 10, something like that. So even if he finishes in that 10-11 range on a per-game side, expect him to be more like top 6 by totals, and that's a spot you want to be uh, when you're drafting. Let's pivot over to some of the names that I'm not a huge fan of, uh, or at least where they're going in the first round. And again, I know that on the title of this podcast, I did refer to it as potential busts, but that's crap. That's me being a jerk and using a buzzword to try to get, you know, a couple extra folks to find the YouTube page. I'm hoping that when you find the show and I come clean about how I named it, that you'll be you'll still give me a shot. So please give me a chance here to explain why I, I think the name is a little bit bunk and then how we're going to pick this. In looking at this ESPN board right now, and then we'll again, we'll, we'll finish by looping back around to the Yahoo list. I don't know that any of these 12 guys is an actual bust. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, those will probably be your top two per game guys. Shea's going to be marvelous. 
He probably takes a small step back, but I don't think it'll be as big as most folks uh, are are planning on this year. Luca in nine cat probably won't hit his ADP, but if you're not trying to compete in free throws, then he's very much an early first rounder. Steph is going to be a big per game producer. Can he stay healthy? Giannis is a first rounder when you're punting free throws. Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis with the big per-game upside. So I have to make this discussion not about who's going to be a bust in the first round, but who I think maybe isn't the greatest place to start your fantasy team. It's still, by the way, a very difficult call to make when you're picking between these types of magical names. It comes down to a couple things for me. You could you could make the argument on the head-to-head side that the first-rounders you want to be a little bit afraid of are maybe Joel Embiid, but in my opinion, I think he's going to be... I think Joel Embiid has a really good shot to be the number one per-game player in fantasy, so I don't think I would put him on my avoid list. Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis are guys that are going... I was hoping that they would go more towards like 12, 13, 14. They're not... So they, due to injury concerns, could also kind of be considered not my favorite first-round picks. But if you're looking at just this ESPN board, my not favorite first-round pick uh, picks are generally Giannis, who I think is being... And I get it. As soon as I say his name, you guys are going to yell at me because he's a wonderful punt-free-throw build guy. My fear with Giannis is actually more about the fact that he doesn't take the same heat as other first-round players for games missed. I think there's a misconception that Giannis is hyper-durable, and he hasn't really been that over the last couple of seasons. Now, some of that was likely by design uh, in that, you know, yeah. The Bucks were trying to keep him fresh for the playoffs and uh, and so on and so forth on that front. But some of it was actually just because he's been banged up more recently. Um, let me try to throw some of this stuff up on the screen. I'm a little bit worried that it's going to play some weird noises in the background. But let's throw Giannis up on the board here uh, so you guys can get a look at his, his recent number of games played. If you look at early in Giannis's career, this 2013 through basically 2000 and the end of the 2018-19 campaign, he was extraordinarily durable and actually pretty good during the early parts of COVID. He missed nine games that first year and then 11 the one after that. Last two seasons, though, as the Bucks have focused more on trying to keep him healthy, missed 15 games and then missed 19 games. Is that as horrifying as what you might get out of Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant? No, Giannis is definitely a safer pick than those guys. But it's not like he's Jason Tatum. And if you're building a punt free throw team, Giannis is such a wonderful core player to have for that type of build. But what if he misses 20 games this coming year? Because the Bucs still had the best record in the NBA despite the fact that Giannis missed 19 games this last season. To me, that's an, a, a wide open door to say, Go ahead and take some time off again, dude. If you got nagging injuries, we got guys that can pick you up. We'll be fine with or without you getting through the regular season. I'm 
I'm quite worried that Giannis plays fewer games this year than guys like Steph uh, or Anthony Davis. I think they'll be pretty close. I think Durant gets into this into this low 60s range as well. And so everybody's like, oh, well, Giannis, he's you know, a guarantee here if you're in a punt free throw team. I actually think the fear with Giannis is not about him not being that same old Giannis, who's very much a first rounder if you're not playing free throws, but the missed games. Because now you've lost the guy that creates your build. That's why I like going for the more well-rounded guys in the first round. Because if they miss time, yes, it still hurts you, but you weren't relying on them to win, you know, three or four specific categories. Giannis is so good at scoring and rebounding and field goal percent that when you take him off of your team, you see this colossal drop in those categories. Can your team withstand that? Yes, if the punt is done like near perfectly. But if not, you could get passed in points or field goal percent on a given week when he's not in there. And suddenly, you know, if you were punting a couple of things, if you're, if you're Giannis, you're punting free throws, you're probably going to be in a little bit of pain on the three-point side as well. And maybe you're just like, ah, I'll, I'll deal with both. And maybe you're kind of giving up on turnovers also. So if you're really only gunning for a 6-3 win most weeks and you lose the guy that's winning you two or three of those six categories, you're suddenly losing. You have, like, almost no shot to win those weeks. So for me, that's the fear on the Giannis side. I get it. Having someone who's so good at those categories falling towards the back end of the first round does make him a more reasonable punt guy. Previous years, you'd... You saw him go 3-4, like right alongside Doncic. This year, he's going four, five, six slots deeper than that. And so, yes, if you're in a punt free throw build, you kind of have to go that direction. But that's a big argument from me as to why maybe you'd want to rethink that and maybe don't go the punt free throw build because if he misses 20 ball games, you're in real trouble. The other guy on the ESPN side... And I, I, I don't feel like we can take Sabonis at that juncture because, you know, grabbing the 12th ranked guy on this board and saying, oh, well, he's the bust is not really fair. He would be one if I felt like, like, that's that's easy mode. I don't want to do that because I think that's too easy for this podcast. I want to pick someone a little bit higher up on the board and, and call them the one that I'm is not my favorite pick. And for ESPN, I'm going to say Kevin Durant at seven. Uh, KD, we can look at, at last year, was number five per game. He did a lot of that damage before the trade. His role is going to be smaller in Phoenix than it was playing with just Kyrie in Brooklyn. There are two guys, again, alongside of him. I think you can expect numbers that are maybe a little bit closer to the stuff he was doing in Golden State, which I get it. He was still a top-five fantasy guy during those seasons, but the rest of the league didn't do as much, and he blocked more shots back then. Still decent blocks, by the way, for Durant at 1.4, but he was, like, up close to two those years. But I don't think we can expect KD to score 29 points per game this season. I, I just, the volume is going to be a little lower, and when the volume goes down for someone who's has so powerful in both percentages, you just take a little bit away. Does that mean he's no longer a first-round per-game guy? No, I think he'll still be a, a, a first-rounder per game, but he was five last year and a huge injury risk. And if he's going at 7 on ESPN, you're giving almost no buffer for him to be hurt. 
He's not one of my least favorite picks on the Yahoo side, and we'll flip back over in a minute, because he's going more, well, frankly, he's pre-ranked 9, but he's going more like 10-11 in a lot of Yahoo leagues. And I think you've left a little bit of a buffer between where he goes and where he might end up. But on the ESPN side, that is not my favorite play. Again, let's go back over to Yahoo now. Let's give you uh, at least one of my least favorite first-round picks uh, on the Yahoo side. We've already talked about uh, our favorites here. And Giannis, by the way, he's pre-ranked at 14, but it does still kind of creep in there because his ADP is at 9 for Yahoo. So use that as you will. Um, LaMelo Ball is the guy for me. I I, I like LaMelo a lot, um, but, but I am a little bit worried. Uh, some of it is just the ball family stuff where we've seen now Lonzo's got issues. LaMelo had a ton of trouble staying healthy last year. It was like ankles after ankle after ankle, and finally they just shut him down because the team was so bad without him. But I love his stats. So that's what makes this one sort of a hard one for me to argue. LaMelo's stats are terrific. He averaged 23.3 points per game last year. Six and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, 1.3 steals, four three-pointers a night. There's a lot to like about him. But he is, at least last year, he was basically a punt field goal guy. And that stat alone dropped him to number 30 on a per-game basis. I don't have a ton of reasons to believe that his field goal percent is about to go through the roof. His shot selection is kind of crazy. Uh, he takes a lot of pull-up and transition threes. Those are not a super high percentage look. Uh, while healthy, one would assume that the percentages maybe improve a little bit for LaMelo Ball. But my issue here is a little bit similar to my issue with Giannis. If you take Lamella with your first-round pick and he's created now this, this punt field goal build and you build around that, and then he doesn't stay healthy, that really blows a hole in your team. Now, I want to make sure we point out that if you were punting field goals last year, Lamella Ball jumps all the way up to a mid-second rounder. He was number 18 on a per-game basis, pulling field goal percent out of the mix. The issues with Ball is that his very big positive categories were assists at 8.5 and and threes at 4. The Hornets, by all accounts, should be better as a team this season than last. And that means they probably don't... I don't think they necessarily want Ball taking 20 shots a game. They probably feel like they're better when he can spread things around, they can get out and run, and use all the weapons that they still have. So I don't think that there's a whole lot for him to do from a usage standpoint. Can he be more efficient with that usage is the question of how does this guy get from mid-second round while punting field goal into the late, mid-late first round, you know, going around 10-ish, basically, in a lot of drafts right now. Uh, his pre-rank is 10, so it's not that surprising that that's where he's going. I don't think we've left any room at all for him to miss even the tiniest bit, like he needs to be, he needs to put up numbers like he did last year, improve on one or both percentages, and stay healthier. And to me, that's a lot to ask for a first rounder. I would love LaMelo Ball 
if he was slipping to where Kyrie's going right now, which is like six slots later. If I could get LaMelo with an early to mid-second round pick, I'd be all over that because you can get a first-rounder to cover up some of the field goal stuff and maybe don't punt that. But right now, he's the guy you're building your team around if you get him in the mid-late first round, and that leaves you the fear of injury. He's only okay at the free-throw line, so it's not like he's going to elevate you there. Steals could come back up a little bit, so you can kind of cross your fingers on that one. That would be really helpful if it did, and that's a way that he could also inch forward. But what he does really well, which is assists and threes, threes you can find later, assists, good idea to get those early. To me, it's not enough stuff to build on with those late first-round picks unless he was more durable, and he hasn't been. He had one year in there where he was more durable, but by and large... There's been some injury stuff. With a lot of these guys in the first round, there has been. I'm not saying that that's like a thing that separates him. I'm saying a thing. it's a thing that doesn't. If he was super healthy and he was going at 10, I'd be like, well, all right, so maybe this guy stays as, as like a ranked around 20. And if you're punting field goal, maybe he does move up to 12 or something like that. But hey, he's going to play in a bunch of ball games and that'll get him into the first round by totals. If you're not punting field goal, he doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you are, I still don't think he makes a ton of sense there. Mostly because if everybody in the first round getting drafted except for Jason Tatum, and I would argue, as I did on this show, Tyrese Halliburton is really injury prone. It's almost all of them, guys. Jokic, sort of an exception, but I think he does get some rest games. If everybody's injury prone, don't you want to shoot for the guys that have the best per game potential? And Ball just sort of isn't that yet. Does he take a giant step forward? He could, but you know me. I prefer to sit on the guys where I already know that they can get there into that top five, top six per game type of range. And since everybody's hurt all the time, you might as well take the ones that are at the top of the per game board. Thanks again for watching, everybody. We'll try to do one of these shows. I might do second round tomorrow. I'll try to figure out exactly what order we want to do these things in. Uh, but we'll do some of our favorites and least favorites from each round as we work our way through the board. And I'll try to convince you uh, why I'm not completely insane. Please, again, take a moment. Like the video. It's so easy. That thumbs up is right on your screen there. Hit the subscribe button. I think that's also right on your screen as well. I don't remember where it is on mobile. I'm an old man, and I use a PC screen for all of this stuff. Uh, thank you to ESPN and Yahoo for providing the uh, numbers that we could throw up on the screen there. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Pod listeners, five-star reviews. This is the time where I start to beg you for that as well. Uh, but I will see you guys on social. I'm certain of it. What have you guys got to do but hang out on Twitter and yell about fantasy basketball, right? Right! And go get the fantasy pass. Sale, I think, might be over. Eh, womp womp. You can check it out. Maybe they screwed it up. Sportsethos.com, fantasy pass. NBA fantasy pass starts at $6 per month. It is awesome. The draft guide is fantastic. It's going to have points league ranks. It's going to have the Brewski 150. It's going to have projections. It's going to have schedule grids, streaming grids, quality games grids. Woo, it's going to have tools this year on top of all that other stuff. It's going to have rest of season numbers. It's going to have sleepers. It's going to have busts. It's going to have breakout players in the second year, third year breakout players. It's going to have rookies. It's going to have dynasty stuff. It already does from the great Rhett Bauer. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And it helps us keep the doors open here at Sports Ethos. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. That is my sales pitch to you all. Hope you enjoyed the video. We'll see you again tomorrow.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.